You are listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with my husband, Steve Worsley, the toxic mold expert and your number one source for mold consulting and mitigation in the USA. Here is episode 106. What are the acceptable amounts of mold that someone can be exposed to? Before we get started on this episode, a short or not so short disclaimer. While all attempts have been made to verify the content provided in this podcast, neither the podcaster or the producers assume any responsibility for errors, omissions, or alternative interpretations of the issues discussed herein. All information stated in this podcast is the opinion of Steve Worsley. Steve Worsley is a mold specialist with over 20 years of experience in the construction and mold industry. The Toxic Mold Podcast is for information sharing purposes only. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and his alone. These views should not be taken as expert instruction or commands. While there may be references to medical conditions and symptoms, all solo podcast episodes are the opinion of Steve Worsley, and any medical questions or concerns shall be addressed with the appropriate licensed medical professional or professionals. As the podcaster refers to different mold types, please be aware that Steve Worsley is not a microbiologist, and questions concerning mold specifics should be answered by the appropriate professional. The listener is 100% responsible for his or her own actions. You can check out Steve's books on Amazon about mold and dealing with mold in your home at amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Steve Worsley. And if you're interested in scheduling a mold consultation over the phone consultation with Steve, you can be sure to find out more about those and his availability at cnccontractorservices.com. Now, let's get to the episode. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Toxic Mold Podcast. Steve, today we are talking about acceptable amounts of mold that a person can be exposed to. Yes. So lots of people hear the word mold, whether it's a realtor or a non-realtor, and they just want to run away from it. They, They hear mold and it's bad. And I think a lot of people don't know that it's naturally occurring in the air. So explain just even what that means. Exposure to something that's naturally occurring in the air in acceptable amounts. It, it's, it's interesting because a lot of times I say molds, you know, the four-letter word in real estate transactions because mm-hmm. you say mold and everybody freaks out. And when, you know, when I did, and even as a mold inspector, when I did home inspections, I was the type that I explained it to my clients. Like, hey, mold's naturally present. It's very common to find mold. It's not the end of the world. If we were to test every home, 90% would, you know, probably have red flags of concern. So my point is, is I would try to explain to them, like, it's not the end of the world. Like, you know, it's like having high blood pressure. You don't just freak out and say, oh, you're going to die in six months. So, you know, I, I tried to explain to people like mold is naturally present, but mold infestations aren't. And that's where it's a lot easier to, to 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 explain it to people. Yeah, it's naturally in the air, but only up to certain levels. And mold infestations are that's never you should never have a mold infestation. So to me, it's obviously I do this every day. It's simple to explain, but yeah, it, it, at a certain point, just like. You know, let's just say Clorox, those chemicals, they're acceptable to, to us as humans. 
up to a certain point, if that makes sense. That does make sense. And so how much mold can the average person be exposed to before it goes to the toxic level? It, it would vary person by person. Okay. And it, it's one of the, our, our listeners know I say this all the time, and I don't try to be general about it, but mold affects every one of us differently. What might make you sick might not make me sick. And that's why another thing we talk or say all the time, mold's so complex. And that's why you can't just hire a home inspector, not home inspector, a mold inspector to come in and run air tests and then hire me to do a a consultation and just say, is this good or bad? Like, I have no idea. And the reason I don't is because there are a lot of factors that, that we have to consider when we're saying, are things acceptable? And one of the main things is, is we want to know the health of the people inside the home. We want to know if there's any visible mold infestations, if that makes sense. So we can't, like a doctor can run a blood panel and then they have their standards and they can say, well, this is higher, it's acceptable. Speaking of standards, we have no standards from our government or uh, the associations that we're members of that say mold is acceptable at this level. Once it's over that, it's not. We, there's no standards. Does that make sense? That does, which reminds me of, you know, I think in almost all of your books, you talk about the concept of people keeping journals so they could do- keep documentation because what you're saying is everybody has a different baseline. Right. So, Unless you've actually documented and you keep a journal of what your baseline actually is over a long period of time, you don't know your baseline. So then you also have trouble pinpointing what goes beyond acceptable when it comes to mold exposure. Exactly. Okay. And it, like I said, that that's why, you know, let's just say one of our listeners, and it's happened... They just shoot me an email. It's not a consultation. They just shoot me an email and say, hey, here's these mold results. Tell me what you can. Well, I, there's not a whole lot I can tell them. I can I can look at it and go, oh, okay, Stachybotrys, which is the black mold, toxic mold, that should not be in the air sample. But beyond that, like the, it, I can look at things and go, well, yeah, that's high compared to the baseline sample, which is your outside. But I can't really give... I can't give you a whole lot of information unless I have all this information, which means you got to have a consultation. Like I'm, you can't just send me and I, you know, I wish I could do that for take me 10 minutes and everybody could just send me their air test results. And I go, yep, that's good. But that's not how mold works. And that's not how it affects people. Absolutely. So people need to be documenting things like how long they're spending in, in the area of the house or the room of the house where they feel might be causing some sort of side effect. Who's being affected? What is their health history? So you're saying that people need to have that kind of documentation on hand so that when they do something like book a mold consultation with you, you have a history to evaluate and then to help them understand the current situation. And, you know, one thing that that I, I say to everybody and we talk about it in the podcast, but all my clients I do consultations with, I always recommend humidity gauges. And that's another fairly inexpensive piece of equipment that they can put. Let's just say you think you you, you have a teenage daughter that you think that is being exposed to mold and 
There's always like a musty odor when you go into her room. We'll put a humidity gauge on the wall and monitor that too. Yeah. Because, you know, those are things that I'm going to tell you to do in a consultation. And when, when you come into a consultation with, and I've had clients that had minimal information and some that have a bunch of information. And the more information that we go into the consultation with, the lot more that our listeners or my clients are going to gain out of that consultation. If that makes sense. Absolutely. It's like going into your doctor or let's just say a specialist and you have all this blood work, you have all this history. That way you can give the doctor something to go off of versus going into that specialist and going, well, no, we just came to you first. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. If you don't have any information, that specialist can't, Can't they can't help you a whole lot. Yeah. But I also think people look at this question of, you know, how much mold can somebody be exposed to almost the way they look at something like blood pressure, right? Everybody knows typically what the normal range of blood pressure is and then what high blood pressure is and then what stroke level blood pressure is. So for the people out there who love the clear cut, like above this range is, woo, it's, it's bad. Is there that same kind of thing with mold? For the most part, no. Okay. The, there, I, I touched on it earlier, like stachybotrys, that should not be in there. If we see a mold type um, on the inside of the home, doesn't matter where it is, and let's say it's five times higher, the, the counts are, than the outside, then yeah, that's a flag to me. But that's why we have to gather more information. Like, is this in a room with a lot of plants? Is this, do they have pets? Like, there's a lot more to it. When you talk about humans, like our hearts, they're not all the same, but through research, they know what, what type of blood pressure, what level it should be. You, you can't take a human heart and then look at people's homes and say they're all very similar because they're not. Exactly. That's, you know, everybody has different homes. Everybody has different places they're working. They might have a vehicle that's causing the issues. It might be at work. It could be maybe in just a basement. Like there's too many variables when it comes to uh, indoor air quality versus a doctor and a, a person's heart because they know from research, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And uh, I think, didn't you tell me that there are like all molds that haven't even been classified yet, right? Isn't there or species of molds? Subspecies. Subspecies of mold. So it's something that's so complex and many subspecies probably still aren't identified, but that's part of what makes it very different from, let's say, a heart. Correct. And and that that's where it does get so complex because molds can come from plants, from building materials, from leaves decay, and just from so many different things. And it's no different than how... You know, we're, we're in space exploring Mars and other planets. It's very, that's very similar to mold where we're, we're, st- there's just so much to learn and there's so much to it. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's so complex. And, and it's interesting because, like I said, like, like if, if you think of like an animal's feces, you can't, you can see the feces and go, okay, that's from a deer. But is it a white tailed deer? Is it a mule deer? Yeah. You know, what are they eating? Where you know, does that make sense? Like the obviously 
biologists and wildlife professionals can, they can do that kind of stuff. They can dive into that and say, okay, do they have any diseases or whatnot? They obviously have to, that they, they have to look at the animal itself. So it's very similar in that way with homes. Like there's just so many variables where you just, you can't just look at, you know, for me in, in, in the mold industry, I just can't look at air test results and go, yeah, that's good or no, it's bad. Exactly. It's just, it's, there's just, there, there's way too much information missing from that. And on top of that, you know, and I've dealt, we've, we've talked about different types of testing and I've dealt with a lot of clients that even when they don't do the Ermi and Hertz me testing where they just use a rag and they swab numerous places, Mm -hmm. I've seen it in the, in, in my profession where a mold inspector does the same thing and it's like well that they're not even testing properly exactly. like you can't you know when you're running an air test you can't start in this office and then walk through the upstairs and you know send that off to a lab and then go oh yeah there's a mold problem well where's that mold problem at yeah you walk through four different rooms exactly. so my, my whole point is is that it's just there's so much to it and it's all of our bodies are different, but on the other hand, it is a home's just so much different in conjunction with our bodies too. Does that make sense? It does make sense. So then when someone who's listening says, okay, so I had somebody come, a mold specialist come and run some tests and they sent it to a lab. What are those mold specialists looking at when they analyze lab results, given the fact that there are no true, like, here's the acceptable level for everybody? So for me, and and this is why I think, this is why our company and CNC Contractor Services sets ourselves apart from all of our competitors. I don't know of any one of our competitors, I'm sure you don't either, and I'll, I'll bet our listeners don't, that does mold mitigation, does mold inspections, does a weekly podcast, has written books, sends out weekly Facebook posts. Creates courses. Yeah, and creates, like... All the stuff we do, we're, we're just, we're a totally different, um, business model is probably the best way to say it. So to answer your question, like I've dealt with so many clients that the mold inspector, I've dealt with some where they literally come in and run air tests and walk away and then they get the results. And then that inspector or that company says to my client, who's, you know, now a, a consultation, that everything was fine. And that's the that's the biggest disservice you can do as an inspector to say everything's fine when you run air tests. Because you you can't in my opinion, you can't say that. Like how did they know? Yeah. Like I've seen it where they don't even run a baseline test on the exterior and say yeah, everything's fine. It's the craziest thing I've seen. So to answer your question, a good inspector, and this is why you ask questions. Obviously, I can't do mold inspections in Florida. Well, I can, but you'd have to pay me a lot of money. <laughs> um, but you ask them questions and say, so, you know, what is involved in your inspection? And you need to make sure that, that you're giving them the information for the health of the people in the home and make sure that that inspector is going to take the time to analyze everything and come up with the conclusion. Because that's what I do. Yeah. And I know most don't, but there's plenty of good inspectors out there that they might not do podcasts, write books, but they still take the time 
to analyze everything and try to come up with a conclusion versus everything's fine. Absolutely. So it's not enough for a mold specialist to run some sort of test, send it to a lab, get the results, maybe email the results to the the homeowner, and then just say, it's acceptable. Right. They should really do a deeper dive and provide more information on what those lab results actually mean. Right. Exactly. And I, what I do, um, you know, if, if we're hired or contracted to do uh, testing, you know, typically it's a mold inspection with in conjunction with testing. Once I get the results back, part of my inspection is gathering information from the client Asking if they've been sick, asking, you know, if they've had moisture intrusion events. Once I get the lab results, I do what I call an interpretations letter. And I type up a letter that goes over all of our findings from the inspection, what history the client told us about, what the lab results are telling us. And then I try to come up with, you know, does further testing need to be done in a wall cavity or... You know, is it your air ducts need to be cleaned? Like we try to come up with, obviously, you know, a, an action plan. Whereas a lot of other companies, they just, they'll call you on the phone and say everything looked fine. There was no stacky botrys, so you're good. Yeah. If that's what your inspector's telling you, yeah, you need to hire someone else. Absolutely. So what what's your call to action for people listening to this episode? So for those that, that wonder, okay, so Steve's saying that there's really no standards on what's acceptable and what's not. Um, I want to be clear that I'm not just saying, you know, it, nobody knows what's causing your issues. There's just a lot more you need to do. And so if, if you don't think and you've had, you know, air testing done and your inspector said it was acceptable, there's no toxic mold, the mold levels weren't five times higher than the outside, if you still think it's mold, which it still could be, go to your doctor and get blood work done. They can do blood work. They can do um, urine analysis. If, if they can't do it, there are labs that do it. Okay. And you can go to um, Great Plains Lab is one. Um, I can't remember all the other ones, but I have a list of, obviously, with my clients when we do consultations, I can give them labs that will actually do mycotoxin testing on your body. And my whole point is, is get, get your body tested. If, if your inspector's telling you it's nothing in the air quality, go to the medical side of it. Absolutely. And so it's just being informed, staying informed and asking questions until you get what you need. Right. Exactly. And talk about the new course you've got out. So uh, my latest book was uh, building a mold resistant home. And so we finally got the new course uh, all finished up. It kind of took me a little longer than I wanted to, but that's our listeners know I I don't move at a real quick pace when it comes to the uh, technology or online side of things. But it is available on Udemy. Um, it's thirty dollars, same price we charge for the. We have four courses now. One's free, is the toxic mold make me sick, and then. Um, home inspection course, mold inspection, and now this one. And it just, I walk you through, if you're going to build a new home, if you're going to remodel, just, you know, not mold proof, because we talk about that, mold resistant, mold resistant materials and ways that you can make sure that you're improving the air quality in your home. Oh, awesome. So you can always go to udemy.com to see any of Steve's courses. 
just go to Udemy. So U-D-E-M-Y.com and you just put Steve Worsley mold course in there. Almost all of them should pop up. Okay. All right. We'll catch you in the next episode. Prevent toxic mold exposure before it gets in your home. Download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com forward slash CNC mold checklist. Again, download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com forward slash CNC mold checklist.